Hi, I'm Ivan Berry, the announcer for Fulham, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello. Well, we've finally done it. Fulham have been confirmed as champions, and it was done in style too. Our third 7-0 win of the season, the second pitch invasion, and a first league title in 21 years. Oh, and the small matter of Mitrovic bagging his 42nd and 43rd goals of the season to equal and then break Guy Whittingham's record. Joining me are Morgs, Stato and Don to discuss the unforgettable evening by the Thames, some of those who we may have said a Fulham farewell to at Craven Cottage, plus a look ahead to our final game of the season at Bramall Lane against Sheffield United. Championes, my name is Wigo, and this is your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. Well, lads, it really was a night to remember. I'm going to come to you first, Morgs. Uh, what was your reaction to such a special night at the cottage? It really was something to behold, wasn't it? Oh, mate, I mean, it's just, I think that game perfectly summed up this whole season, didn't it, really? It's... We've had so many great performances and so many goals scored, and it's just it's been a uh, it's just been a thrill ride the whole way through. Obviously, you know, a couple of games here and there they're a bit dodgy, but I think last night the the atmosphere was amazing. It was electric inside the ground. Um, uh, obviously, as you can tell probably from my voice, uh, it was it was a very active evening, um, and I think just being there for that occasion was something incredibly special and that's one of those games that you just you know you'll remember forever and it's the only the second time I've seen a 7-0 at Craven Cottage the first time was my second ever game in 1995 and it's I don't know it's I was kind of lost for words I was a bit emotional when I was watching the um the highlights this morning uh maybe in the hangover but I think it was just you know you watching that and you're just seeing how animated players are how you know energized they are you know they just wanted to score more and more and i think you know mitro getting his um 43rd and will that record be broken any time in our lifetime who knows but you know doubtful as a shitload of goals scoring one season so yeah overall uh probably one of the more thrilling nights i've experienced at the cottage yeah, um, you said about that electric atmosphere and I was there as well, so I felt it. And um, Stato and Don, I know you guys are watching from home. Could you feel the atmosphere coming through the TV? Could you hear uh, hear the noise from the fans? Yeah, absolutely. You could just tell it was one of those nights. I think, I think you know, we us winning this, this league it was kind of a given for a long time now we knew it was going to happen but it was just when it was going to happen when would we mathematically do it when would we lift the trophy and you know the last few weeks have been a few nervy moments here and there but you know the fact that we were able to seal it at home in the last game at the cottage with you know all the players scoring scoring the goals that they did and you know being under the lights on, you know, on a bank holiday, you know, it was just the most fairy tale ending ever, and it was just a special, special night. I don't know about uh, Matt, you know, Stato's uh, how he got to watch the game. I, I, I watch it here in the states through ESPN, and it's 
it's really funny because uh, I don't really like a lot of the commentators on ESPN. Um, so I usually mute that and I listen to Gentleman Jim instead. You could actually hear through both for once all the fans singing. A lot of times if I'm listening to the ESPN commentator, you don't really hear for whatever reason the home fans. You pick up, though, the away fans for whatever reason. But this time listening to either one, you could hear all the fans and you could tell that place must have been just jumping because the way you could hear them through the TV. So kudos to all the fans there making all the noise, supporting everybody. I thought it was an electric game. Fantastic finish. Couldn't have happened any better in my mind. So, well, it's really good that you guys got to sort of get a feel for the atmosphere. Um, that's what we like to hear. So, yeah, another 7 0 win, you know, third of the season is amazing, really. I must admit, I got a little bit confident when we were 5 0 up. I uh, went straight onto Skybet and put a fiver on us to win 7 0 at 8 to 1. So, it was nice of that to come in. Um, and we could we're not promoting gambling or anything like that. We go, no, no, of course, no, gamble responsibly, guys. Um, but I tell you what, we're going to sort of go in reverse order a little bit. We're going to talk about that seventh goal, we're going to talk about Mitrovic, you know, 43 goals, and that that seventh goal, it that was the probably the maddest I went all night. You know, it was like he'd just scored the winner in a cup final. Um, Morgs, how, how did you react to that when that went in? I mean, the whole stadium just went absolutely crazy. It was a whole nother level to the other six goals, don't you think? Yeah, uh, it was <clears throat> It was the fact that it came in the, with the last kick of the game as well. You know, we knew that he just needed that one goal. We knew that the time was almost out. Up, and as soon as he got the ball and he lashed it in, it was, I don't know, there was a lot of hugging. I think I, think I hugged someone I've never met before. Um, you know, which during these great COVID times is a, such an advisable thing to do, I guess. But <laughs> emotions, uh, emotions certainly running wild. And I just, I watched it again this morning, and I watched all the goals again because obviously we'd had a few beers, and so I sort of refreshed my memory. But just seeing that one fly in, his reaction—it's just all the reaction of the players. It was all so natural, you know. It was a sense of huge sense of relief, as much as anything I imagine. And just yeah, it, it almost brings a tear to my eye thinking about it now. And Stato, you know, forty-three goals—that was the one we'd really wanted him to hit, wasn't it? Um, do you think he was sort of relieved, maybe, that he got there because you know, not scoring against Forest last week. Um, you know, the games are sort of winding down, you know, and he still needed a couple of goals. So to grab two and break the record, he must have been pretty happy, don't you think? Yeah, you could tell by his celebration that he, he just loved, he was just loving life. And, you know, it was something that he wanted, you know, you could, the, the way that the, the, the team celebrated with him as well, that, you know, they could tell they were happy for him as well. And it, it, it almost doesn't feel real, to be honest. Like the fact that the club, I support as a striker who has scored 43 goals in one season. It, I don't think it's fully sunk in you. I, 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 that, that's, that's mad. I mean, the only other club or any other team that could like say something like that is, you know, Barcelona during that peak Messi era when they had, you know, him scoring 40, 50 goals. Like he scored 43 goals in one season. That's, it's mad. It's, it's absolutely bonkers. It, it, I can't, I cannot ever see that getting broken in my lifetime. And, it just it just goes to show how good of a season it was, and it, it also shows, you know, this fairy tale game that I mentioned yesterday. The fact that he scored in the 90th minute with virtually the last kick of the game to get the record—it was 
you know, I, 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 just, I had to keep pinching myself because I just it just didn't feel real. It was just the most surreal, wonderful moment, you know, and you know, the perfect way that, to cap off it? the game. It's just, it's the also, it's this massive almost redemption from last season. And just to come back in this manner, it's not like he's just banged in, you know, 25 for the season, which would have been, you know, a good return given the fact he only got three last year. It's an absolute sort of rebirth as a player. And just to get that many goals, 43 in 43 games, you know, because he missed a couple, didn't he? And it's... It, it you know it boggles the mind, but I mean we always said that he was a confident striker, um, and once he'd started banging them in, and obviously you know Silver working his magic on him you know uh, in a motivational sense, he um, you know just didn't want to stop scoring, and it's amazing. And I mean we've sort of run out of words to describe Mitrovic, but Don, how crucial is Mitrovic going to be next year? Because we know last time in the Premier League, he was sort of cast aside. Um, but Silver has really got him as a different animal, isn't he? He's going to be crucial next year, don't you think? I think if Mitchell plays the way he played this game, this particular game, he did things that everybody else said he doesn't really do. Everybody says, oh, you know, he's just a guy, put him in the box, we'll, we'll chip balls in and he heads them and that, that's his thing. If you watched... He shows there's a lot of other sides to his game. Number one, he gets that free kick on the outside of the right-hand side of the box, okay? He is not the fastest guy in the world, but he does his damnedest, gets there, gets the first touch on the ball, wins the free kick. And the player, I believe, even got a card for that particular uh, tackle. So he, he may not be the fastest, but he tries his damnedest to get those kind of things to happen in the right places. Number two, how many times, at least twice, I saw this where he either receives a ball, chest it down, takes a touch, instantly turns, spins on the defender, and puts a ball through for Harry Wilson or you know Fabio or or Bobby Wilson or whoever you know. So there's that guy who can play deep and wander. You know he doesn't have to be in the final third the whole time. He can come out deep, find that player, settle, and get the ball in and make things happen that way. So there's that for him. And then the third thing. And this is really important. That last seventh goal, the way he did it, it's not his normal, I'm sitting in the final box, the ball comes in, I chest it or head it, whatever. He actually sees the run to make. He is finally left for once, unmarked. I don't know what they were thinking, Luton Town. They just left him, and he made his own run all unmarked. Harry finds him, puts the ball through, Mitchell's in, beats the keeper across, you know, puts the ball in the back of the net. So how crucial is he to next season? Very. And he has shown that he's not just one trick pony. He can do lots of other things that are vital. He may not be the guy scoring all the goals, but he might be the guy providing all the assists, taking the players out, the defensive players out wide that allows other people to get the, the width and the space to do their stuff. So I think he's just magic right now. And if he keeps going like this, he could be phenomenal next season. I'm looking forward to meeting this Bobby Wilson guy when he turns up. <laughs> Did I mix up the players and get their names <laughs> yeah. in there? You know, I mean, Harry, poor Harry. Yeah. Look, I think you're, you're totally right. He needs to, he's, but he is one of these players that is a, you really have to manage him well. And I think as long as Marco keeps it up, start, you know, gives him still this, you know, whatever treatment it is that's been working for him this year um, and doesn't let his head drop. Cause that is, as we know, is the biggest issue with Nitro. 
uh, if his head drops, it goes a few games without scoring, then it's a bit of a struggle to get him back into it. So I think, um, you know, you've got to really sort of hope that he starts off by getting a couple of goals early on next year. And, you know, we just carry on playing like we've been playing. I mean, we're going to have to be slightly different because if we try and take these, use these tactics, get some of the uh, Premier League teams, uh, we're going to get torn to shreds, I imagine. Um, but yeah, he's definitely going to be a, a key man for next year. Absolutely. And, you know, we're lucky to have him. We're lucky he's still here, really. And, um, you know, fair play to Tony Khan. He, you've got to give him credit, I suppose. He was crucial in keeping him here, uh, supposedly, anyway, with the interview that's just come according out. According to Tony Khan. <laughs> according to Tony Khan, of course. <laughs> Tony Khan himself. Never does any wrong in his own eyes. But, um, you know, supposedly talked Mitrovic into staying. And I think we all saw that Mitrovic would likely have been off if um, the management structure had remained the same as it did at the end of last season. So, you know, if it is how Tony Khan says it was, then I think we've got to give him credit. Um, so, you know, fair play to him there. Um, another player who's been managed well this season, I want to talk about briefly, is Jean-Michel Serri. You know, he scored his first goal of the season last night. It was a great, great goal as well. You know, maybe Mitrovic was offside, but, you know, take nothing away from Serri. It was a great finish into the bottom corner. Um, Stato, I'm going to come to you for this one. Serri, you know, redemption season for him contracts up but there is an option will he be here next season and if he is then you know do you think he'll get the game time do you think he'll play you know when I was watching the game yesterday I was with a bunch of mates and I was trying to explain to them how Seri's career has gone at Fulham and how you know we had him for that first year and he was okay and he faded away and then ever since then, we just assumed he was just a waste of space. He was taking up wages. He would be sold on. He was a flop. And this season where he's redeemed himself has, you know, it's been nothing short of miraculous. Let's be honest. It, no one was expecting Seri to be here this uh, be here this season. No, no one was expecting him to play such an important part to this team. And, you know, to, for him to get a go on, the, on, on that final home game, it, it, was, it was great to see. Um Yes, his contract is out at the end of this year, but I believe, don't quote me on this, I'm not 100% sure, that there is an option to extend it for another year. And I think would be stupid not to take that up. I think Silver, he likes him. If Silver wants him around next year, then it makes sense to do that and it makes sense to keep him around. I think he's one of the few players in this team that you know is very much Premier League quality on his day. And... It just kind of makes sense to keep him around next season. You know, if earlier Morgan was saying how we're going to have to change the way we play next season, and I, I agree with that. I think, you know, we're going to have to deal with less, I'm assuming, less possession-based, uh, less attacking, you know, more waiting maybe on the counter. And stuff. So Siri could be that really important player that sits back like he's been doing, helps break up the plays and then find those really nice passes that, develop into something so I could see him being you know I'm not saying he's going to be the key player a key player but it's hard to say he, I think he will be important yeah absolutely and obviously you know a player that I would actually love us to keep next season as well um he's not the only one I'd have loved us to have been able to keep Fabio Carvalho I did see the BBC interview last night 
um, where he was asked if he'd miss Fulham and he said nothing was done yet. And I think, you know, in a lot of Fulham fans, there'd have been an ever so slight glimmer of hope that he might stay um, until Tony Khan's interview this morning where he confirmed that he was off. I think we all already knew anyway. Um, but it was a fantastic goal and uh, it was a perfect farewell farewell goal for the cottage, I think. Um, Morgs, talk me through that goal. I mean, it, a fantastic finish, but the link-up play was fantastic as well. Mitrovic dropping deep and Carvalho with a fantastic finish. Um, we're going to miss Carvalho, aren't we? You know, goals like that, they've been crucial. Um, you know, how big a miss is he going to be? He's going to be huge, but... He's, I mean, he's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you can't really begrudge him a move to a club like Liverpool. He's clearly an immense talent and he could well become, you know, one of the best, you know, players in the Premier League if he continues on sort of his kind of current trajectory. I mean, he's only 18, 19, isn't he? So I think, you know, we will miss him, but at the same time, we're not going to be, uh, doing what we've done this season in the Premier League. We're not going to have some of these games. We're not going to win three games 7-0, are we? Um, it's We're going to be in for a battle. And whether Cavallo's um, the the right player for a battle is... Well, we don't know because we he didn't really play uh, last year. So we will miss him as a player because you know what you're watching is a player who is going to reach the top. It's a shame it won't be with us, um, but I think if we're going to replace him, we need to bring in someone who's probably a little bit more, um, a bit more steel, perhaps. You know, it's, it is going to be a hard-fought season, as they all are, and whilst we'll, uh, you know, miss seeing his talent, um, it's. I think keeping Mitro is kind of, you know, more important as it were, you know, because we need players like that who are up for the fight. That's not to say Cavallo isn't, but I think we need someone with a bit more brawn potentially for this one. I agree a lot with what Morgan is saying, but, you know, I do think we're going to need that Fabio kind of player next season. We're going to need somebody who can replace him. And what I mean is, if you watch this goal and the buildup and everything, it is what I imagine Boa and uh, Marco Silva are, are, have been pushing all along the season, more quick attacking, one touch, quick movement that led up to this goal, you know. And this is the beauty of how you can see Mitchell receives the ball, passes, lays it off for Harry. Harry does a quick one-touch flick. It goes right to the feet of Fabio. He's in, and he cuts across the keeper and beats the keeper. I mean, when we get the attack, we're going to need that. We're going to need those quick-moving players that can have the vision to see the other players out of the corner of their eyes and know they're, that's what they're doing is how I have to move. So while we won't, we won't have Fabio, I still think we need a player like him next season to replace him. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, it's, I think the transfer window will be crucial for us uh, if we want to stay up. So I'm sure the Khans have had plenty of time to start uh, scouting out replacements. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see who they bring in. It will be, like, uh, you know, they've had plenty of time. It's going to be very difficult to replace him like for like. But it's, you know, one of those situations where, you know, we need a good, I would say, potentially experienced player to come in. 
in that role. And, you know, whoever's on the list, I just hope it's not, you know, someone who's from the, you know, the Belgian league or whatever, who has an experience there and would just take a bit of a punt um, based on their stats. Uh, so, yeah, he is going to be very difficult to replace. And Don's right, you know, we do need someone who's able to do those quick passes. He's unfortunately one of those players that is just so damn good that we're probably going to have to take a bit of a downgrade on some aspect of uh, of that player. Absolutely. Um, so I want to give a quick mention to Kenny Tete. Um, you know, he's come, he's had his injury challenges this year, uh, come back and then got injured again. And, you know, he came into the side yesterday and scored a fantastic goal. Um, so, you know, I felt like he deserved it. He had a really good game at Bournemouth and a really good game last night and scored a great goal. Um, but he's not the only one to have sort of been pretty injury prone lately and got a goal. Um, club captain Tom Kearney got the 100th goal in the 29th minute. I think it was only fitting for him, especially after getting the winner at Wembley, for him to score the 100th goal as well. Um, not only does that win Ben's dad a lot of money because he bet on that at the start of the season, uh, Fulham to score 100 goals. Uh, but Fulham are the first side to score 100 plus goals in a single season in the second tier since Manchester City in 2001-2002 when they scored 108. So, you know, we only need, what is it, I think it's 3-0 on su- on Saturday to uh, <laughs> to overtake that. But um, Stato, just talk to me about, you know, Kearney, his season, coming back and then, you know, that goal as well. It was a fantastic finish for a start, a real classic Kearney finish. Um, yeah, he deserved it, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Not for the first time in his career with Fulham have people written off Tom Kearney. My, myself included at the start of this year, I thought he'd have a, a bit part if if he wouldn't have any role to play at all. Obviously, before this season, his last appearance was, I think, away at Newcastle when Anderson got sent off and you know gave away that penalty that wasn't a penalty. I think that was his last appearance and we didn't see him since then. So, you know, not him having him being finished or not playing for Fulham again, you know, it's, it's, you know, it was, it was expected, you know, it's something that, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised to have seen, but he's come back and he's been, he's been phenomenal. He's playing, he's been playing in that deeper lying midfield role. He's been, you know, pivotal in this team at times you know his passing his vision his range of passing has been superb and you know he hasn't, he hasn't chipped in with that many goals this year but when he has they've been important goals and you know almost and none have almost been none more so really than you know this goal yesterday to make it one nil and it was so fitting for him to be goal scorer number to be score our 100th goal you know, it would have been easy to say for Mitrovic to score number one hundred, but you know, for Kearney, it was kind of it was, it was a bit more bit more special, and you could see a celebration that he loved it. It was a great goal as well; it was a great finish, and yeah, it was just a nice way for him to kind of you know see out that final game at the cottage this season. You know, not for him; he'll, I'm sure he'll be here next year, but you know, it was it was it was it was a nice way for him to score. Yeah, absolutely. And it really sort of set the wheels in motion yesterday, didn't it? The confidence was um, really flowing inside and you could see it. I think especially after the international break as well, um, we've been pretty inconsistent and, you know, results haven't always gone our way. Uh, but it was never in doubt yesterday, I don't think. And, you know, I wouldn't say Luton rolled over for us, but um, 
I don't think they put up much of a challenge. I can only really remember one shot on goal. Um, I don't know about you guys, but they were they were destroyed. I mean, they I don't know what uh, you know. That's a team pushing for the playoffs. I mean, they likely will get a playoff place, and they just crumbled. I mean, it was quite spectacular, really. Is of uh, watching something you kind of, you kind of almost expect that from a um, you know like the Reading game. You know, Reading were sort of on a massive slide at the time, but this with a team that you know you thought they were going to actually put up a decent fight. Now hold on, hold on, hold on. They had a lot of players that were injured and out, and then they had one that pulled up lame in the warmups, and they had one that pulled up lame right before it led to Tom's goal, and actually sat down on the pitch, if you remember, and they yeah, were yeah. screaming for him to be allowed to be taken off, but we kept playing. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, so we kept playing. So well, yeah, let's just give them a try. little credit. I mean, in the beginning, they really did hammer us. They, they were coming at us pretty good. There were some good attempts that almost could have been 1-0 to them. Okay, I may have had a few beers before the game, um, so I may not have remembered every single detail. Uh, all I seem to remember is the fact that you know, well, we scored seven, um, but it was just it just felt very one way. And yeah, I, I appreciate that they did have a few players out, and Matt Ingram was bought in an emergency loan a couple of days ago, um, which will probably go down as one of the worst debuts I think for a goalkeeper. And uh, yeah, I think even with the players out injured, I think the way that we just tore them to shreds was quite, um, I imagine quite soul destroying for some of those players because they're going to have to regroup and really sort of go out on Saturday and fight for that playoff place. And you don't want to go into the playoffs, into the playoffs on the back of a seven nil, you know, hammering. So, you know, I quite like them if they went up, you know, I want to see Kenilworth road in the premier league. I think it'd be hilarious. So I think, uh, you know, given the results tonight, uh, it might be quite tricky because I think they have to play. Probably have to play Forest. I think, won't they? Yeah. As so it stands, as it stands, yeah. Uh, Bournemouth have been promoted now, so uh, it is likely that it will be Forest, um, which will be a tough game for Luton. And obviously, they are where they are for a reason. You can't knock the job that Nathan Jones has done there. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if their confidence is knocked or if they're going to try and bounce back with a win at the. End of the season. Um, right, moving on. Obviously, the final whistle went. We're all elated. Another pitch invasion, the second in two weeks. You know, despite the club saying, please don't run on the pitch. It really didn't work, you know, to the extent that some people are getting helped over the barrier. I suppose, you know, once one's gone through, you might as well just give up. <laughs> but one person on the pitch who seemed to get a lot of attention <laughs> was our mate Sarge. But... Except people didn't think it was Sarge. People thought it was Dennis Adoy. Um, our mate Sarge, bless him, bald head and glasses. Um, this happened at Derby away as well. I'm not sure you'll remember, Morgs, to be honest. Everyone go, sort I? of... <laughs> you were there in sort of spirit, oh, right, okay. I suppose. Um, <laughs> spirits. spirits, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it sort of started at Derby away. And then, you know, a couple of times in the pub yesterday, people thought it was Dennis Adoy. And then I managed to get back to my seat and look down and just see everyone chanting Dennis Adoy, but seeing Sarge on people's shoulders. Um, funny old story, really, and it's been all over Twitter. So quick shout out to uh, Sarge there. But, it's also um, his birthday today. So happy birthday it, to it, Dennis. Yeah, happy birthday, Luke Dennis Sargent. Um, <laughs> but, but talking about Adoy, it was fantastic seeing back. And it, it made me, I don't want to say emotional, but it was quite heartwarming to see him back and all the players to see how happy he was. Um, 
Morgs, he did have a crucial impact this season, didn't he? When he had that spell at right back. Um, and he definitely deserved his medal this season, don't you think? For sure. I mean, Anthony Knockhart got one. So, I mean, I think uh, you and I probably deserve one as much as him. Um, <laughs> so, he went to more games. And, you know, Dennis was such a great character. He was loved by the players. He was, you know, he seemed to be loved by pretty much everyone around the club as well. It was a shame that he left, but obviously getting an offer of a three-year contract when he was out of contract in this year and unlikely to have it renewed. I think it was a good, you know, great opportunity for him to be able to go home as well. And I think the fact that he's still kept engaged with the club um, has been, which uh, has been great. And watching him sort of, you know, his little social media messages and all the other to the club that they posted and things. It's just like you see this with a lot of ex-Fulham players that they do have a real affinity for the club. And I think Dennis, because obviously you know he's a bit of a cult hero as well, um, he's just kind of he will always be embraced by Fulham fans and the club. And it's you know the fact he was able to come back for this game as well to get his medal to get his forever Fulham award. It's I think it was perfect. I think, you know, everything about the night was perfect. And I think uh, Dennis being there was just kind of, you know, like, you know, cherry on top of the cake. Yeah. What I liked most about um, the trophy celebrations was all of our players got the medals and I think I got the green light to lift the trophy. But then you could see them all being like, no, 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 no. Get Dennis over, get Dennis over. And then they started ch- doing the, um, oi, 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 Dennis, the <laughs> chant. Just, just so he could be included in that trophy, in that trophy lift. And, you know, and rightly so, you know, even though he's not our player anymore, he still played a big role in this season. He played a lot of games for us before he left and him leaving was actually quite a bit of a shock. So it was only right that he was there in that, you know, in that bundle, lifting the trophy and, and being part of that celebrations. And he will always be a Fulham cult legend and, you know, long lived in his adoy. The real question is, though, where was Abubakar Kamara? Well, yeah. I mean, what was it five minutes in the first game of the season? Impact an impactful five minutes. I forgot it was that. I forgot it was that long ago that he'd left. He seems to um, still come sh- up so much. I'm sure they have Amazon Prime in Greece where we can send it over to him. The medal <laughs> or a picture you of know. it. Well, picture. The best thing is if anybody needs have uh, Dennis Adoy show up for their kid's birthday party or anything. <laughs> reach out. Sarge will probably be available. <laughs> he can show up and pretend to be Dennis for the night or the day. <laughs> Uh, J-Mac's going to be fuming at you, Morgs, for bringing up Abubakar Kamara. It's another one for his list. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, Stato, you mentioned those celebrations at the end, and obviously it really was something to behold. It's not something you see very often, uh, you know, a trophy at Craven Cottage, and it's certainly the first time I've seen it um, since I've been going. And I must admit, I did shed a few tears when we lifted the trophy, um, as I have the last two times at the playoffs um, when we've lifted the trophy. I think, you know, for a lot of us, either, you know, watching from home or going to the games, we get up at all sorts of times, you know, and we sacrifice a lot to watch our team. So um, I think at the end of the season, when you get a reward like this, it really is worth it. And um, Don, I just want to come to you on that. You know, obviously living over in America is probably a bit trickier, you know, with the times and the games and everything. But, you know, the trophy at the end, the big celebrations, it must make it worth it, doesn't it? 
Okay, this is where I am actually was really furious and I was kicking stuff yesterday, uh, ready to put my fist through the TV. ESPN, who was doing the coverage, cut off the coverage as the players were finally getting to go down the tunnel and they were just starting to get the fans to come off the, the pitch. Coverage over here stopped. So I didn't get to see any of the live coverage of the trophy presentation, the lifting of the trophy, none of it. So all I kept getting was the pictures you guys were sending through WhatsApp and blips on you know Twitter and things like that. And what was even more infuriating, uh, Mr. Khan, if you're listening, ESPN cut their coverage. FFC TV supposedly started live streaming the whole presentation, but they wouldn't allow it to happen in the United States. So again, couldn't even watch it through FFC TV. So anything in the future like that needs to be sorted, please. That's that's unfair. One thing I'm surprised about is that they didn't cut it off to put on AEW. You know, that, that would have been a classic Khan move, wouldn't it? Um, but... Yeah, as I say, it really was a fantastic day and the presentation, the celebrations after, all the singing, that is up there with the loudest I've heard, uh, Craven Cottage, Morgs, post-match celebrations in the stands, you know, all the singing, fantastic, wasn't it? Where does it rank in terms of evenings at the cottage? You know, we've had some special ones, Derby at home, Juventus, Hamburg, um, you know, can you fit it in a list? Does it belong? In that list there, I think it does, but uh, I'm interested to get your opinion on it. Well, it definitely belongs in the list. I think uh, I wasn't around for the Europa League run, so I had to watch all that on TV, and I was gutted to miss the Juventus and the Hatburg games especially. Um, but you know, the last time <clears throat> we won the league in 2001, I remember that was a uh, last-minute equaliser by Sean Davis, won us the trophy. Um, obviously we would have won it anyway, but it was just a case of it. You know, the energy then was, uh, was amazing. And it is that, isn't it? It's winning the trophy, even though you've been promoted already, it's that final hurdle. And we certainly deserved it this year, um, to have scored, you know, 106 goals and not actually win the league would have been criminal. But I think for me personally of games that I've been at the cottage, it's definitely up there with one of the best nights. and. We've had some great nights over the years, um, but to have the crowd so loud, packed, you know, the, the addition of the free scarves, even sort of, you know, that was quite fun, you know, uh, no clappers and scarves. Brilliant. And I think, yeah, it, it was, uh, the buzz was insane. So, yeah, I'm still, I'm still feeling it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the result definitely helped. Personally, it's the first time I've seen us score seven goals at Craven Cottage. I've seen six a few times. Um, You weren't born the last time it happened, so... No, well, there you go. Um, But I mean, that's the third 7-0 of the season. One in each of the three kits, uh, you know, the home away and the third kit. Third kit being at Blackburn and the away at Reading. Um, Three of the five biggest margins of victory in English football this season have come courtesy of Fulham. Stato, just, you know, very briefly, how how amazing is that? Oh, it, it's it's a phenomenal achievement. It's it's unprecedented. We we've won seven nil three times in one season. We that's that's mad. Like it 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 defies logic at times what we've done this year and but just for winning it. And 
you know, each each of these seven nils, it's been it's it's been deserved seven nils. Not that there's an undeserved such thing as an undeserved seven nil, to be honest. Um, but it was, you know, it, it just caps off what a perfect season you know this has been for us. And you know, at the end of the day, we're we're Fulham. We don't. We don't we don't win much. When we're gonna to go to the Premier League next year and we're gonna be hoping to get forty points and that'll be our trophy. We you know we don't we don't win cups. We, you know, the last final was the Europa League ten years ago now. So to have a moment and an event where we can just celebrate at Craven Cottage and we can lift a trophy, we can just all, all you can do is just enjoy those moments and it was made all the more better by us just winning by such a heavy seven nil margin. It was it was just perfect. It was great. Uh, and I think just coming off the back of last season as well, when we only scored nine at home, and what was it like eighteen or something away from home, just to score that many goals is it's a bit of a shock to the system, really, isn't it? I mean, you kind of you don't expect to score seven in a game generally, and to do it three times in one season off the back on the back of you know being incredibly goal shy for the year or so before it's um yeah it's it's not been an easy transition but i've been more than happy to deal with it yeah i mean as you say you know that amount of goals and that's contributed to a you know really fantastic stat that i saw that um fulham have become the first side since tottenham in 1960-61 to score 50 plus goals both home and away in a single league campaign across the top four tiers of english football i mean outstanding really um and it really does show how amazing we've been this season and you know credit to Marco Silva and the squad um for really giving us a season to remember right okay lads probably the toughest question of the evening um you know we say how brilliant we've been and we'll talk about this and that but the toughest question is, is give me a man of the match if you can um i mean i think it's a struggle but Don, I'm going to come to you first. Um, you know who who edges that for you? So I voted on uh, the uh, Friends of uh, Fulham website. I voted for Mitro because of his two goals and him, you know, scoring the records and everything. But I could really also vote for Tom just because his goal set up number one, the hundredth goal, you know, and everything. But his goal is what started the floodgates to open and got everything going. So I give it to Metro, but I could easily have given it to, to Tom also. Yeah, I mean, absolutely fair enough. I thought Kenny was fantastic. Um, Stato, what about you? Who's your man of the match? Mavic Rodak, obviously. Clean sheet. Last game of the season. Has to be done. No, I'm joking. Um <laughs> Keepers Union at work there, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. I've, I've always I've got his back. Um, to be honest, I think Kenny Tete deserves a shout because he was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. He got forward well, defended superbly, got a great goal, and he put in a really well-rounded performance. And I think I think you know he 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 was up there yesterday for you know my, my man of the match. I think so. Yeah, I'd go for him. If it's the keepers' union, I'm surprised I didn't give it to Matt Ingram. Um, right, <laughs> I don't think anyone. I don't think Matt Ingram is giving it to Matt Ingram for sure. No, you know, I, I don't think so. in in Ingram's defence, I don't think he could have done anything no about one. those seven goals. Like <laughs> he had, he had a terrible defence in front of him, yeah. and I don't think They're any keeper right would have done much against those seven goals. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah, no there's no exactly. clangers. 
Yeah, there was no errors from him, really. And, you know, an emergency loan, uh, you know, it was always going to be tough for him. Morgs, um, finally from you, your man of the match, please. Uh, well, I was, you know, I was thinking about Mitro, obviously. I think ultimately he gets it. Um, but I was also thinking Kenny Tete as well, because as Stato said, it was a really well-rounded performance for him. And it's the best performance we've seen from him since, uh, you know, I know he's been uh, out the side because of uh, Nico's form, but he, when he came in the other day, he wasn't overly um, brilliant. But then this performance was just like, he was incredibly confident and it was, uh, yeah, it was great to watch. But I think I'm just going to make it a bit different. I'm going to give it to Fabio. I think, uh, you know, his last, probably his last appearance at the cottage in a Fulham shirt and getting his goal, his all round play, his link up play. Uh, it was just, you know, it's it was everything that we're going to miss about him as a player. And I know people said, you know, after the whole Liverpool move fell through, supposedly um, in January, that he's kind of like, oh, his head's dropped. You know, he's not going to give us the same performances. I think he's been brilliant. There's been a couple of off games. He himself said that, you know, he'd it was all a bit distracting. But I think he's given everything this season, uh, even after the... Um, transfer window so I think for him to sort of go out with a goal and uh, the performance generally I think I'll uh, I'll give him man of the match Yeah fair enough mate um, I'm going to give it to Mitro you know he's been fantastic all season and to get his 43rd goal of the season to equal Frank Newton's uh, goals for a season record for Fulham I believe so he's only one more off breaking that as well so fingers crossed for that on Saturday Um special shout out to Tim Ream as well he didn't really have much to do yesterday, but he's been fantastic all season. And that is who we are going to talk about after this short break. Fulham. Okay, guys, Tim Ream. I really want to talk about him because we all love him. He's been great on social media this season, really interacting with the fans. Um, but a part of me is a little bit heartbroken because... I've got the feeling it's his last game at Craven Cottage in a Fulham shirt. Um, Morgs, I'm going to come to you. How good has he been this season? Maybe not even just this season, but since he's joined the club. But I mean, it's definitely been one of his uh, one of his best, hasn't it, this season? Oh, I think he's been exceptional. I, I really do. I think to go from playing no games basically last year to playing a whole season at 34. Um, you know, 46 games in a season, it's a long, hard slog. You generally, players of that age need a rest. Now and then they can't do three games in a week, but he's done it. And, you know, he's had a couple of uh, a couple of errors, but I mean, overall, he has led from the back. He has been a great captain when Kearney wasn't playing. He's, a, you know, he's a wonderful, I think he's a squad leader. You know, he is a captain, effectively. Um, but he's also a great ambassador for the club. And I think he's everything that you want from wanting to be senior players. You know, he leads by example. He's, you know, he's got his head screwed on. He doesn't let himself sort of get downbeat, you know, at least doesn't seem like he does um, when things aren't going right. And it will be a massive shame if he's not uh, with us next year. Can he handle the Premier League? He's proven before that it's, you know, just the pace is just too much for him. And I think 
if we are going to succeed in staying up next year, then unfortunately, you know, he's one of those players that probably does need to be replaced because him and Tosin's partnership is brilliant, but Tosin will need someone a little bit more, um, I guess, agile uh, to be able to deal with some of these, um, you know, some of these teams in the Premier League. And it's a big shame because if he was, you know, a couple of years younger, um, I would say definitely keep him because I think they have a great relationship at the back. Uh, but I just have that feeling that centre-back's probably the first place they're going shopping for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is, as well, we will be doing more defending than attacking next season. And um, that's not really something we've massively experienced this season. Um, Stato, where does Tim Ring rank amongst, well, first of all, all all-time Fulham centre-backs? I know it's a bit difficult because, you know, we have been in the Championship and, um, you know, you can't necessarily compare it to the Premier League. But I suppose relatively, where does he rank for you? Okay, so in recent Fulham history, by recent, I mean probably since the turn of the millennium when we had the Alphire takeover and we started to be in the Prem. And that's when I more or less started supporting Fulham. It's when you, Wigo, and not, not you, Morgs, because you know, you're a bit ancient. Um, Thanks, mate. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the more, this recent Fulham history, you look at all the Fulham players and, and you, we, we look at centre-backs and it's probably only Hangerland who is more, who is more, who is more iconic than Reem has been for Fulham in defence. He's been that consistent and that ever-present. It's, it's a big shame what's happened, you know, how it's gone for him both times in the Premier League. You know, the first time around, he had a bad back injury at the start so he never really appeared and then by the time he did get fit again he you know he was taking a while to get up to speed and it was it was a shit show anyway and then last year he didn't get a look in at all and it's a shame that he's not quite Premier League quality and like Morg said if he was a few years younger had we got him you know if he was in his prime at 28 29 I think there'd be a case that yes he would have been okay in the Premier League but unfortunately that's not the case but Whilst he's been with us in the championship, he has been flawless. He has been so consistent. He he was superb. I remember when we signed him, like we signed him and Richard Stearman. And I thought to myself, oh, that's a really good championship centre-back pairing. And, well, I, I was 50% right, I guess. And <laughs> Think about Richard Stearman, though. He loved to drink. He and loved it. That was the part. That was the, that was the yeah, that was the banter era, era wasn't it? Um, <laughs> well, we were coming uh, you know, out of the banter era at that point, I think. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, but no, yeah, fifty percent right was good. I was, I was fifty percent right, and yeah, he, he's been a great servant for Fulham. And you know, it's it's emotional, but I'm not particularly sad because how many how many players get this fairy tale ending where they get to win the league and lift the trophy in their final home game for their club it doesn't happen often so for him to get this kind of send off it, it it's nice and it's right and yeah I wish him all the best in the future but he's not he hasn't gone well, no, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. he could he could stay he could, he could stay might... for a start he could he stay know. but I don't, I, I don't think that benefits anyone i, I don't think it benefits him because he won't play much next year, it doesn't benefit us because he won't. Well, he's, he's not Premier League quality. I think this is the good moment for him to kind of part ways and you know go to the MLS or go to wherever. And you know, it's you, just you would a think it's probably MLS if it's anywhere. It's probably MLS for a, a yeah. season or two, unless you know maybe he has a. You know, I imagine he's very settled over here. 
ultimately they probably want to move back to the States, but maybe he wants to get into coaching. Maybe this is kind of, you know, maybe there's the opportunity for him to do that. I mean, that's kind of what we thought about K-Mac as well, wasn't it? But then obviously with everything that happened, um, I think he still wanted to play, but I don't know, maybe Reem is, um, you know, quite content where he is. The thing, the thing with Reem is he, he's, he's just played 46 games, well, 45, I don't know if he'll play next week. He, he's played the majority That's of the championship season for, for a championship winning team. I, I don't know why he'd want to retire and do go into coaching. He's clearly still got the legs. He, he can still play for a few more years if he wants to. He can, yeah, he can easily go to another championship team if he wants to stay around here. QPRs was a logical choice to go to. Um, it's a shit choice, yeah, though, I, isn't it? It's a shit choice, but it's kind of no. like a safe, safe bet. He doesn't need to move, doesn't need to relocate, and he gets another year in the championship with Steph Joe as well. Uh, if he wants to play in the championship for the rest of his life, then he should go to QPR. Uh, right. Um, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We've talked about that, or I've talked about this in the past with Tim Ream, okay? Because we've mentioned this the last couple of seasons. Everybody thought, well, this will be his last season. This will be his last season. Yet he goes on and does another damn season. So the idea of him maybe going to QPR is very interesting um, because I still think he could be a hell of a center back, you know, with the right pairing again for say like QPR. But the the two things that uh, were mentioned, one, if he goes back to the MLS, that is a very strong possibility because he has a lot of ties that go back to St. Louis and Chicago and all that. So I could easily see him going back there uh, and getting like a final payday. The other thing that could be, and I've mentioned this before that uh, other American soccer players have talked about, you know, when deciding when to go back to the States, if they're going to go back to the States or not, is the age of his kids. It's it's a good time. They're young. They can come back, integrate into the school systems and stuff. So that could be another deciding factor of why he may leave, uh, you know, Fulham and, and the London area. But the other thing I'd really like to see him do, and this is what Morgs was talking about, uh, is him coaching. I wouldn't mind seeing him as a player coach for Fulham, you know, being that guy that can talk to the young lads and inspire them and get them motivated to do things. And if needed, if needed, be able to drop in and play a cameo role here or there for whatever reason, you know, park the bus or something. I, I don't know, but that's, that's, a, that's a nice sentiment, but we're going to be in the Premier League and I know. we don't have time for players to be part coach, part player. That that we, we, we can't be doing that in the Premier League, I don't think. Well, then I'd like him to be introduced to the academy. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love him to stay and still be a big role model at, at the Fulham club. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's up, I guess ultimately it's up to Tim whether he wants to continue playing or not. And I'm sure Fulham would more, more than welcome him into the coaching setup, he would have no issues with that. But I guess, you know, as I mentioned, he just played 45 games in the championship for, for the winning team. He can clearly still go. And so if he wants to keep playing, feel free. But I think he'll find limited chances with us, unfortunately, next year. So, And again, I think one of the his big factors and what he's going to be thinking about, what's going to really help decide what he's going to do is his kids. Because they're at that age of... You know, do you just keep going along in the uh, school system in England or do we transition back to the States and get them involved in, you know, stateside schools? Yeah. How, how, old, how old are those kids? Do we know? Uh, uh, six, seven, maybe. Or? Yeah, they're, they're really young. So, again, because yeah. they're so young here in the States, 
it's a perfect time that they can come in and slot into what we call the fifth grade or I mean, you know, five-year-old kindergarten, first grade and that kind of stuff. Um, they'd be like hitting the, the ground right at the beginning of level. So they'd be able to make new friends. They haven't missed anything, you know, as far as school goes, you know, so it wouldn't be like they'd have to play catch up or that. I don't know if the English system, maybe you guys are more advanced and, you know, they'd be bored with it or whatever, but it's a perfect age for their kids to slot back into schools. So that's all I'm saying. We probably shouldn't comment on the uh, differences between the uh, British and the American education systems. <laughs> we might offend hey. someone. You you can't talk as well, Mr. Private. Well, well <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. you, 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 hold on now. You know if they can't, if it, I'm not offending the teachers because you know if they had Luke Sargent as a teacher, number one, they'd be worshiping a doy all the time, but they'd be just probably the smartest kids in the world, you know, thanks to the English system. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I think we've we've spoken a lot about America there, um, and we've had a lot of players from there play for Fulham. You know, the whole Full America uh, term is quite renowned. Guys, just very quickly, where does Tim Ream rank in terms of Americans that we've had play for us? Obviously, we've had the likes of Dempsey, McBride, Bocanegra, Robinson, I suppose, even though I'm sure he's from Milton Keynes or somewhere like that. Um, but <laughs> he still counts as American. Um, personally, I would put him second or third. I'm, I think Dempsey at the top and then McBride and Ream, I'm not too sure on what order. Um Don, I'm going to come to you first. Where would you rank him in that uh, that list? So it's McBride that brought me to, to Fulham, okay? When he came, I came and started following Fulham. And there have been a ton of Americans, as you said, who have come through. That's the big reason when people in the United States say, why Fulham? Why do you, why do you follow them? Because there have been more Americans that have come through Fulham than any other team in Europe. Point blank, period, done. So... My top three, it's McBride for me, I'm sorry. Then Dempsey, then Ream. Ream is definitely, to, you know, in the top three. But those are my three. And, you know, personal reasons, obviously, a big McBride fan. But for Dempsey scoring that goal in the Europa League and then Ream, just for the amount of games and everything he has done. And don't take anything away from Ream. As an American, he's one of the only Americans who can say he's gotten a team promoted twice and been the champions of the championship. So there, there are very few other Americans who can claim huge titles that they have, you know, I've got the awards, I've got the medal. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely uh, been successful in his time here. Morgs, what about you? Where would you rank him? I would probably, as a club servant, I think I would probably put him top. I think... He, when did he sign? Was it 2015? I think so. He's what seven years? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Dempsey was obviously, you know, it was brilliant um, at times for us. And, but, you know, would he say he was a great sort of club servant? Don't know. I think he just had some very, you know, he was a very good player. And Brian McBride, again, he kind of falls into a bit like the sort of the Reen category. He's that sort of like, you know, perfect professional that you want as a kind of role model within your club. Um, but I think just for uh, Reem's longevity at the club, the fact that he's uh, performances this season on the back of not playing at all last year, uh, he got you know I think he got player of the season um, a few years ago, didn't he as well? And he's just you know I love him. You know I'm gonna be very sad to see him go if he does go. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I'd have McBride and um, Reem there, probably Dempsey, um, and then probably just pushing out Eddie Lewis because obviously he was the <laughs> He was the American David Beckham. 
uh, but well, no, I think Eddie Johnson either. By the way, well, I actually saw him score a goal in. Uh, I saw him score a goal yeah, in right Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> he was, I thought he was. Wow. Like, was having, You've having seen a bit of a more rebirth. than most of us, mate. I know. Um, Stato, what about you? Just to get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I agree largely with what Don and Morgan said. I think in terms of a club servant, he comes top because you know he's he's just be, he's been the consummate professional. He's he's always you know worked hard. Hey, no one has anything bad to say about him, and you know that that rightfully gives him the top spot for you know the long for the club servant. In terms of most iconic American, though, I, I, I think you know that would still go to Dempsey just for that iconic moment in the Europa League, and you know when he was just banging in the goals for us and was our main man. So you know, there's two, there's, there's lots of different ways. There's lots of different ways you can measure how how important or how big a player has been for a club, and you know I think Ream does come out near the top or in the top three. For American players, in, in you know, in, in all those metrics. No, yeah, absolutely. And oh, forget about being an American. Let's just mention real quick what a bargain he was. Because if he was only purchased for one point eight seven million from Bolton, how many players can you say Fulham brought in for that amount and have been had such an important part and played so many matches for Fulham? So we did we of... did take advantage of Bolton though, didn't we? Because they were in dire financial trouble at the time. So we kind of did nab him for on the cheap because we could great value though, superb value. Also, the same about the same amount of uh, money it cost for Metroglou's right shin. Um, <laughs> so I'd say yes, yeah, probably sort of equal value. <laughs> yeah, and we know where that got us. Um, but of course, Tim Ream's not done yet, and neither are Fulham. You know, there's another game on Saturday and. You know, I still want to win it, um, but it is the last game of the season and I think it's going to be a champions party. You know, we had the celebrations in Bournemouth the other week, which were fantastic. And, you know, I really hope Sheffield United is uh, going to be the same. But guys, do you think there'll be a squad rotation? You know, I'd be interested to see. Um, I'd love to see the academy players get a chance. You know, Luke Harris has been brilliant for the academy. Um, and then... You know, some farewells potentially. Obviously, Carvalho, you know, I know, I reckon Knockart, Knockart will be off. Uh, who knows, maybe even a first team appearance for Congolo. Um, Morgs, what no. do you reckon? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I think it's uh, worth asking, isn't it? No, you know, I think, you know, Knockart maybe. I mean, Cavalero seems to have disappeared completely. Um, uh, I don't think any of the youth players are going to go. I think it's that's not how they're going to approach it. I think they want to go out on, you know, with at least, you know, another couple of goals. I can't see Mitro being uh, up for being dropped. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just, I think they'll just play this last game. They've come this far. They've done the hard work. Now they can just go out and enjoy this game. Um, and bearing in mind, Sheffield United need a win as well. Um, spent their playoff plays. I think, you know, they're going to have to put a decent team out. Because uh, you don't want to sort of, you know, finish the season getting battered because you've been on the piss for sort of, you know, five days or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I imagine they'll be going to this game much like any other game and hopefully uh, finish with a win because obviously when you've done everything, there's nothing left to be won. Heads might sort of be, you know, very much on the beach. 
but hopefully given how we played or yesterday that they'll go into this with uh, as much uh, motivation as possible really yeah I, I mean i do agree with you obviously i was half joking about the idea of a uh, knockout time <laughs> but i would like to see luke harris involved somehow you know he scored four goals a couple of times this season and uh you know i don't think a place on the bench will do him any harm um you know, it is a big game for Sheffield United. They are looking to cement their place in the top six. Um, you know, the playoff race is coming down to the last day. It feels like it usually does most seasons. Um, they're going to be well up for it. Well up for this, aren't they, Stato? Yeah, and that is kind of the beauty of the last day for us. They're going to be up for it, and we won't really care. <laughs> like we're just going to be having a good time. I would love. I I just want to see a completely different starting eleven to what we had on Monday, just because we can. And I, I, you joked about knockout, but he's probably going to leave. And not that he deserves a farewell, but I want to see all those fringe players get that little final game for us. I, I want to see Fabry in goal because he's out of contract in the summer. I want to see a Mawson and Hector centre back pairing, just because we can. Onoma and Chalabar in midfield because Onoma's barely played and Chalabar didn't play the last game. Knockar and Cavalero on the wings. Why not? I mean, it's going to be a party party atmosphere. Let them have a run out. Let them play a game. Um, you know, I'm not. that's not saying we want to give Sheffield United the win in any way because, hey, these aren't bad players we're talking about here. Um, well, some might be if <laughs> it depends what your opinion is of these players. But... You know, I think it's going to be a party atmosphere. So, you know, let's let's have that relaxed atmosphere. Let's have that relaxed. You know, let's have that relaxed team out, and let's just see what happens. I mean, if we if we if we lose, we lose. I don't I don't think we'll lose personally because you know we're gonna ha- we're gonna have that relaxed team playing who will have no nothing to fear, nothing to lose. Whereas Sheffield United, they might be a bit nervous, a bit a bit on edge because they need to get that win. So I think it'll just be a fun day. Um, I think there'll be plenty of goals for both teams, and yeah, it'll we'll just be it'll just we'll just go out with a bang. I think. Yeah, I mean, one thing though is that Marco Silva—he's not exactly known for taking it easy, is he? I mean, yeah, I look at Huddersfield earlier in the season. Uh, well, you know, Harry Wilson sent off. I oh, will chuck on Cavalero, and we'll keep going. You know, yesterday we wanted to score more goals. Don, that's a great quality to have in a manager, isn't it? You know. The game's never over. It doesn't matter how many goals up you are. Um, you know, it's never over. How good is it for Fulham to have a manager like Marco Silva who will keep doing that? You know, he he also instills it in the players because if you watched when Metro scored that one goal, he wasn't waiting. He grabbed the ball out of the back of the net and he ran all the way to the centre and put the ball back down. It's like, okay, let's go. We're not waiting. We're not celebrating. And... I think, you know, that's something that Marco instills in the players, you know, that, hey, it's not over until the whistle blows and the final is done and everybody's ready to go home. So you play until the whistle is blown and you play as hard as you can, as best you can. And I think that's really going to be important for next season, okay? Because we're not going to have, like we did today, that 7-0, you know, win. You know, we're going to be down in the dirt, fighting it out to get the points. And I think it's going to be important that he is that guy that is constantly hounding the players. Don't give up, keep going, keep trying, you know, don't get your chins down. Don't, don't drop your heads, play hard and as hard as you can. So I think it's very important 
that we have the coach that has his kind of attitude going into what's going to be a tough season next season. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. Um, right, lads, just before we go, I want to get a quick score prediction from you. Uh, coming to you first, Stato, how do you think it's going to end up on Saturday? So I've seen instances in the past where a promoted team just kind of lets go like, and just weird things happen on this final game where it's just a bizarre scoreline. You know, I, I think an example, not it's not a promotion team, but I remember Sir Alex Ferguson's last game against um, from Man United against West Brom was like a four-all draw because people were just having fun and it was more of a celebration. So I can see a really wacky score on like that happening. I, I don't know. I've just got a feeling that will be the case. So I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be something like five-four to us or five-four to Sheffield United. I think it's just yeah. going to be a really high-scoring, bizarre, funny game. <laughs> Well, we have won 5-4 at Sheffield United before, so I wouldn't put it past us. Um, Don, what about you? What's your prediction for this one, mate? I think Sheffield is going to come in hard because this is an important game for them. I could see some of our players kind of hanging back a little bit because it's not as important. But hopefully they're going to be playing, you know, for the badge and just for, you know, the the – sheer thrill of finishing out a strong season so i don't know I, I could see this game going really bad and we just don't care and we end up losing say two zero three zero or you know a one one is kind of where my head's at and then in the background what i see is uh if we are losing no matter what you guys doing a conga line through the stands you know like hall did not too long ago even though they were still losing their match they were still dancing and having fun in, in the stands so uh, that's the way i kind of see you guys doing is uh celebrating having a good, good time and on the pitch probably not as, as serious as it should be so I, I got a bad feeling or not i'm not a bad feeling but a feeling of one one yeah i mean that's that's a fair result uh morgs what about you mate Oh, I'm going to go with Stato's, uh, Stato's idea. I think it could go a bit manic. Um, you know, they'll still be wanting to score goals, but obviously United are going to be pressing big time. Um, they probably want to keep it tight as well, because I think if they get a point, they probably might um, still get in the playoffs. But, you know, you've got to imagine they're going to be going for the win. So I reckon it's going to be, I reckon it's going to be 4-3. Um, and I reckon it'll be 4-3 to Sheffield United. Nice and positive, mate. That's what we like to hear. No, um, but it's fine. You know, it's 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 one of those mad games. We don't have anything to play for now, and they do. And, you know, the, the mental side is so important in these games. And if you're not as focused as you would be ordinarily, you know, the other team who is focused will take advantage of it. So I think it'll, I think it'll be a good game. I think it would just be a bit mad. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm heading up to Sheffield on Saturday, so I don't think the result will necessarily take away from the day. It'll be a bit like Bournemouth. Um, we had a good day regardless of the result, and I think this will be the same. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Fulham, you know, just for a bit of positivity because uh, we didn't get it from Morgan. So um, <laughs> might as Look, yeah, I was positive, I was positive that it was going to be a fun game. <laughs> Yeah, well, that is fair enough. I suppose we'll allow it. Now, now is uh, Frenchie going to be there? And is he going to wear his shirt? Frenchie is going to be there. And I don't know about his shirt. I'm, I think he's going to bring it with him. Um, we'll see. But, 
you know, we can actually have the shirt out now. We had it out a bit prematurely at Bournemouth. And, uh, and for the listeners that don't there, know, five games ago, he got his shirt with Champions 2022 on the back. And he's been holding on to it. Dangerous game, that. Yeah, we, I was it not was a dangerous game. And the Fulham marketing have jumped on that and they've made the same shirt, but with Gotex. Yeah. Double the price. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and it will set you back £80 for the privilege. Ooh. You lucky lot. <laughs> right. Well, that's your lot for this week, folks. Uh, thank you for listening to the Champions podcast, of course. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your Fulham Focus fix, whether that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fulham underscore focus and on Instagram we're at Fulham focus. We're also on Facebook too. So head over there to find us. I look forward to seeing some of you at Bramall Lane on Saturday. Uh, but if not, have a wonderful summer and we'll see you next season. Cheers. Cheers.